Broadcasting live from the Campbell Student Union Center at Buffalo State, this is The Blitz on 91.3 FM. Here's your host, Evan DePasquale. Welcome to the Buffalo Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY. 91.3 FM WBNY is Buffalo's original alternative station since 1982. Brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. I am your host, Evan DePasquale. And we're here to talk about, well, what else, really? The We're here to talk about the, what would you categorize, Super Bowl 56. Our our question of the day for the, uh, for the show will be, what was your takeaway from the Super Bowl? Was there anything that you liked? Was there anything that you disliked? Whatever. Call us. 716 716- Eight seven eight fifty one zero four. I am here with Tanner Saunders and Evan Harrington. Um, how you doing today, guys? Uh, not too bad. How about yourself, my friend? I'm good. Why are you standing? Hey, it's good. You know, I mean, the first show I did the whole thing sitting down, and I'm one of those people like I can't sit still unless I'm like playing video games. I can't sit still for a whole two hours. So it's nice to just get up and moving. Just gotta keep keep the juices flowing. You know. Yeah, and uh, later in the show, we will have, um, courtesy of Evan Harrington, uh, we will have Buffalo State head hockey coach Stephen Murphy, or Steve Murphy, excuse me, on the show with us, and I am super excited about that. We're trying to, ever since the pandemic happened, we haven't really been able to do a lot of things with Buffalo State Athletics now that we're kind of getting more away from a little bit more towards a little normalcy. We're going to be inviting coaches and players. We're going to be doing this every week and I have him in for an interview. And today we will have uh, Steve Murphy on the show. But I want to get into, I think, the one thing that kept rolling through my mind during that game was that the Bills would be kicking butt in this game. They, I kept saying the Bills should be in this game. The Bills should be playing. Josh Allen should be playing right now. Yeah. Um, I think it's a fair fair point to make that Josh Allen probably should be in this game because Josh Allen really never had the opportunity to, to kind of go back against the Chiefs and finish that game off the way he would have liked to. So, in a sense, Josh Allen got robbed. I mean, I wouldn't say the Buffalo Bills completely got robbed because the defense obviously didn't make that stop, but Josh Allen individually got robbed. And my takeaway from the Super Bowl was that I think it's a fair argument to say that Aaron Donald might be the greatest defensive player of all time. Hey, that, he made... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'll, I'll uh, take it after you finish your point. Yeah, for sure. He's just ridiculous. The fact that a defensive tackle, an undersized defensive tackle to begin, can have that much of an impact on a football game and throughout his career. I mean, Aaron Donald has been in the league for eight seasons. He's run three defensive player of the years. He's a seven-time seven pro bowler. He, I believe, is also a seven-time first-team All-Pro. And he's been in the league for, what, eight years? Yeah, eight years. Or eight-time Pro Bowler, seven-time first-team All-Pro. It's it's ridiculous. And it's the fact that even one of his seasons, he had 20 sacks. He almost broke the sack record. And again, this guy is a defensive tackle. He has the highest double-team rate in the league almost every season, it feels like. And in the Super Bowl, he had two sacks, the game-clinching play on Joe Burrow, and a plethora of other plays throughout the game as well. He really cemented himself as, if not the best defensive player of all time, or if not the second best behind Lawrence Taylor. 
That was that was the one thing that was missing from his like resume. He had all the accolades. First team all pro. I don't know if he won defensive rookie of the year. I'm assuming he yeah, did. Yeah, you know he, he did. did in twenty fourteen. Yeah, he did. He defensive rookie of the year. He's won defensive player of the year, you know, all pro, pro bowls, all that stuff. And the only thing that was missing from him was a Super Bowl. And, you know, he got it. I don't know if I want it. Like, th- there were talks that he would, if they win this game, that he would retire. I just I just don't want to see it. I, he, he's so good. And this team, I think, could, I don't know if they could, they could run it back. But this is a team that's going to be good for a very long time. And I just would hate to see, you know, the best defensive. It's almost like, you know, I guess it's kind of comparing to Tom Brady because we look at Tom Brady as this great athlete. But honestly, you know, it was about time that he got out because he was 44 when he retired or something like that. And. Aaron Donald's what only thirty? Yeah, I have, yep. I have kind of a more fair comparison for this. This is almost more like Calvin Johnson or Barry Sanders. Oh yeah, where or, it's like these or, guys are still playing at Andrew Luck. Well, Andrew Andrew Luck also had like the injuries, not like really on his side. He took a bank. He took a beating. Like Andrew Luck couldn't physically play the game of football with the mental aspect just because of all those injuries. He was still a great player. But just with all those injuries, he just couldn't play. But I compare the if Aaron Donald does retire, I would compare it more to the Calvin Johnson, Barry Sanders side of things, where these guys are still elite players, but they just kind of call the quits a little earlier than we might have thought of to begin with. Boy, Evan Harrington, you're just I see you kind of low key slighting a Detroit Lions fans there, bringing up a. Um, <laughs> Megatron and Barry Sanders because they're down bad right now. I mean, sorry, I know, I know. I'm sorry, Lions fans, but you guys didn't win a playoff game in 12 years with Matthew Stafford, and then literally the season he leaves, he wins the Super Bowl. And <laughs> sorry to pile it on, but nobody wastes transcendent talents like the Detroit Lions. And going to Aaron Donald, he uh, I see a tweet here from Anthony PFF Anthony. He finished with eight pressures. They said on the first review of the Super Bowl, which is the most by a defensive lineman in the PFF era since 2006. And he made the two plays of the game. And, you know, going back to the NFC Championship, he pretty much won that game um, when it came down to it at the end. And then he made the two plays of the game. On the third and one, Zach Taylor came out himself and said they were trying to, you know, steal that that uh, that third down conversion with a run on third and one. But the long arm of the law, Aaron Donald, reached out and uh, prevented Samaj P. Ryan from doing that. And then obviously on the fourth and one, just completely obliterated Bill's legend, Quentin Spain, and got in Joe Burrow's <laughs> face before he, even had, before he even knew what was coming. And by the way, Quentin Spain and Eli Apple... You know, they were talking a whole lot of mess about their former situations. Eli with uh, New Orleans, then Quentin Spain about his uh, unceremonious exit from Buffalo. So isn't it funny how that works? The guys that were talking the most mess during the week ended up selling the game at the biggest stage. Did you guys see the McCole Harbin and Tyreek Hill tweets? Oh, my God. Eli. Replying to Eli Apple. Like, Eli Apple had that coming to him. Like, obviously, like, Eli Apple isn't, like, a complete terrible player. Completely terrible player. But when he needed to step up his game and kind of back himself up, you're going to look more terrible than you really are because you have all the eyes on you just from, like, what you've been saying over social media and through the press conferences throughout the week. And he really had it coming to him. And Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup got him good for sure. Oh, he got him twice. I kind of feel bad for Eli Apple oh, at I this don't. point. Because, I do not. I mean, he is just getting 
completely dragged by the entire league. Like, you, you mentioned the Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman, which, first off, they don't really have much room to talk because well, he I mean, lost to that guy. Yeah. And then you have his former teammates. Michael Thomas tweeted during the game, Eli's just being Eli. And then uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson tweeted something to slight him. So it's like the whole league, he's just become the freaking doormat for the entire NFL. I mean, and on one hand, you could say he deserves it because of, you know, how he's been talking, you know, just taking unnecessary shots at New Orleans and the fan base. But on the other hand, it's like, holy smokes, the guy just lost a Super Bowl and now the entire league's dogpiling on him. Like, boo, geez, give him a break. Well, the the main reason I love it is because when McCole Hardman replied to Eli Apple, he has the Super Bowl ring mm-hmm. from the 2020 <laughs> Super Bowl against the 49ers. Like, that was phenomenal. Like, I love that. Like, just the fact that, you know, a player, like, you know, McCole Hartman isn't, like, you know, an all-star receiver. He isn't a Pro Bowl all-pro. But it's just the fact that, hey, I have a Super Bowl ring. I contributed to that team. And you're talking all this crap, and you don't even have the ring to back it up. It's just funny. And I, I get they did beat him in the playoffs, but McCole Hartman does have that ring to kind of staple his statement. I, I thought that, you know, there was, it was a good game. I'll say that. Um, I think the one player, and I think you guys will agree with me on this, that I felt probably the worst for was Odell Beckham. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I thought that, like, well, first off, this just proves to everybody that Odell Beckham was never the problem in Cleveland. Um, I, wouldn't even, I don't even know if you'd want to say he was a problem in New York. No, 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 he wasn't. No, he wasn't um, a problem anywhere. He's... Player he gets some of the most unnecessary slander that I've seen from like a player of his caliber over the years. This... He's he's an elite talent that wants the ball and he wants to play for an organization. It's it's that it's that simple. I'm not saying it's like the Stefan Diggs situation. I would compare it to the Stefan Diggs it, situation. It, it is in a sense because they both played in actually the the same offenses technically because it was ran by the same coach. Kevin Stefanski was the coach of the Browns and the Vikings, the offense coordinator of the Vikings at that time. It's it's an offense where it's 55% run, 45% pass. I would say Kirk Cousins is a much better quarterback than Baker Mayfield, but they kind of play the same way in in a sense. They're they're not too mobile. They're, they play from the pocket, etc. And Diggs and Beckham weren't getting the ball. And they know how talented they are, and they know they want to play on winning football teams. And they both got what they wanted. Uh, Diggs obviously didn't get to the Super Bowl. He will soon. But Odell <laughs> got what he wanted. His dad deserves a pay raise, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and Odell got his ring. And it sucks because the news came out like an hour ago from Adam Schefter. That, torn ACL. Yeah, torn ACL. It's the same one he tore just a year or two ago. Against the Bengals also. Yeah, and it sucks. Uh, Odell will be back. I don't think it's going to. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, I don't. I hope he comes back because, I mean, another year off an ACL. I don't know. It, it, it does suck, but he got his ring. He deserves it. And he had, he played a big role in the Super Bowl, too, even though he wasn't in the game that long. This is going to come back to the idea of, um, like, should the NFL try and have stadiums become natural grass fields rather than having them as the – having these turf – turf um, fields where, you know, it's easier to tear your ACL, and even like even when you saw both Burrow and um, I mean I don't know if that's really have to do anything with the turf, but 
both Burrow and Stafford got twisted up and looked, and they both looked pretty bad when when the play happened when they got rolled up on a sack. Luckily, it was like the last play of the drive, so they had some time to go to the sideline and get treatment. It was not a good offensive day for really anybody. I mean, do you think that it should have gone to Cooper Cup to be MVP? I mean, I personally, I think it. It. Sh- I mean, I'm happy that it did. Um, he was. He had like. Um, I don't know how many catches, but he had 92 yards receiving eight plus catches, two touchdowns. Yeah, eight, so eight catches or something. You know, it, it was yeah, uh, eight catches, 92 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, Matthew Stafford, 26 of 40, 283, uh, and three touchdowns and two picks. I I did not like that first pick. I the inter, the first interception that was thrown. I thought that he should have thrown it the other way. Well. Yeah, the the thing with the Matt Stafford situation wasn't it third down, so it technically it was third and fourteen. Yeah, it was kind of like a punt. So yeah, like, they, they were are the, really in field goal range. Yeah, those are the interceptions where I won't really hold it against the quarterback. You know, like well, obviously you have to hold that against the quarterback in hindsight of things. But basically, what I'm trying to say is it's third and fourteen. He's trying to make a play on third down. You know that you're not in field goal range, so you're not really losing if you throw an interception there. It's just more of like. Hey, we tried something, but it's going to end up kind of like a punt. He was, so, oh, he was trying to do his best Zach Wilson impression. He thought he was Zach Wilson. Wilson, even though I'm a Bills fan, still got to give props to the other quarterbacks in the division when they deserve it. He was trying to do the Zach Wilson point and shoot that he did to, against Tennessee there, but he he didn't have it in him. But again, third and fourteen, you're out of field goal range. That's pretty much an arm punt. And the second one, really, that wasn't even. Uh, maybe you could put it a little bit on Stafford. Maybe that ball was a little bit too far out in front of uh, Ben Skoranek, but even that one uh, wasn't really his fault. So you could say that, uh, you know, really the that third and 14 pick was his lone mistake. Other than that, I thought Stafford was pretty good, all things considered. I mean, you look at some of the guys he was throwing to, obviously losing Odell Beckham, at least you have uh, – Cooper Cup, but you look at some of the other guys he was thrown to. Ben Skoranek, who I just mentioned, seventh-round rookie out of Notre Dame. Um, during the regular season, he had 11 catches on 20 targets for 133 yards. And then during the postseason, prior to the Super Bowl, he only had one target, and it was against the 49ers, and it was a drop touchdown. You know, he was out. He was uh, also without Tyler Higbee and Kendall Blanton, so your two tight ends right there. I mean, Blanton was active, but he didn't really uh, do too much. So he was thrown to his number three tight end, Bryson Hopkins, who only had one catch during the regular season the past two years and didn't have a catch or a target at all this postseason prior to the Super Bowl. So all things considered, with Stafford throwing to his wide receivers three and four, his number three tight end having no support from the run game, I think that might have been one of the more underrated quarterback performances in the Super Bowl that I've seen. I I think that a lot of people are calling this Super Bowl like a meh type of Super Bowl. I think that it was it was a good I, I think it was I was happy that it wasn't a blowout. That's kind of what I was more so concerned about, but I mean I did I, I was not really happy with the inconsistency with the officiating. Um I think that you know. I, I feel like even if you're a Ram, well, if you're a Rams fan, you have nothing to complain about. You won the Super Bowl, and if you are a, um, if you're a Bengals fan, I mean, 
you did get away with an obvious. I mean, I, 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 when I saw the missed pass interference face mask, I felt like that it was. I, I, it, yeah, it should have been called, but they were not calling anything. They didn't call a single offensive holding that entire game. Yeah, and, but that that missed call on the T Higgins touchdown over Jalen Ramsey that was atrocious. Like that's just like something there. It's like. It's kind of like clearly obvious. Like Ramsey went to the ground. He got yanked down by the face mask. Like I don't know. I thought that was a really bad missed they, call. They were kind of just, they were just letting him play, and I think that it was really, you know, I I think that they didn't want to just. I don't know. I I think that there was no point in you know trying to, um, you know, the, the, it was. I think that it was they were looking at it. It was which obviously it wasn't. Um, the the face mask was basically just inset, like contact that wasn't egregious to the point where it deserved a foul. I mean, obviously looking back at it now, yeah, it was. But maybe at the at the time, either a the officials didn't see it, or b it was just like like I said, it wasn't egregious enough to um, regard a flag. So. I, I just think that, you know, I thought the officiating was pretty solid up until the last two minutes. That when, that uh that holding call on Logan Wilson, that now that was a terrible call. That was pretty ticky. It was it was on third down, I think, third and goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Like, and that that would have they would have had to go for it on that could that basically that one call could have changed it to where now they're gonna have to go for it on fourth down if you know, the Rams because they're you know they were only down. They were down by four, and you can't just kick a field goal. And you know, I mean, if you re- if you are like if you were an idiot, you would kick a field goal. Well, you know? yeah, I, but I mean, but I don't think Sean McVay would have kicked a field goal in that situation. I loved loved seeing uh, Zach Taylor be aggressive and be just you know going forward on fourth down and stuff like that. I I do think that this is a team like you could say that this is a team that could be they'll be back almost like but I think now, this was their let, best shot let, probably let me finish. in the next yeah. 3 or 4 years. This this was their best shot because I I kind of wanted the Bengals to win mainly for the 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 for Cincinnati the um but I think that there's so much talent, especially in the AFC, with Allen, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert. I don't know what I don't know what's going to end up happening in the next few years. Um, is Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are they still going to be with Kansas City? I will say that throughout the entire game, all I will and I will keep banging the drum on this, was the Bills should have been in this game and they would have been Super Bowl champions because they would have definitely put up more than 23 points. I mean, you know, you saw it last year when they played the Rams. I mean, I mean, well, it was in Buffalo and it was a um, a game where it was like on 9 o'clock their time. But I think that I'm not a huge fan of games like when it's on the west coast the sun is still out so it was like i believe in on west coast time it was like 3 30 at kickoff i just i'm not i'm not a huge fan of that like i want i want it to be i don't want to say pitch black 
But I want it to be black to where it feels like this is an important game. Like, you feel like if a game starts at 6.30, whether that being East Coast or Eastern Standard Time, like West Coast, whatever, a game that starts at 6.30 kind of gets dark around, you know, 7, and then it just kind of stays dark throughout, like, the 9, 10 hours, like, kind of that. Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying that they should stop doing it on the West Coast, but it's just, it just like, it doesn't feel, like, as important. It almost feels like a 425 game on a Sunday. That's what it kind of felt like to me was a 425 game where the sun was still out and um it was just I I I I will I'm not like trying to like get say that the the Rams shouldn't have hosted the Super Bowl or like the city of LA cuz obviously they did. It's just it just to me it feels weird when we're in the Super Bowl and his uh, like he's just it's still there's the sun is still out. Hold on, can we go back to the uh, the Bengals? Here's what I'll say about the Bengals: is I don't know about be back, but conventional wisdom would say that they're going to be in the thick of things in the AFC for years to come. I mean, I remember seeing the stat a little while ago, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they're like the first team in NFL history to have a four thousand yard passer, thousand yard rusher, and two thousand yard receivers like under the age of twenty five or yep, something. So. You're right. So they'll be good, and plus the thing is, is that uh, I saw earlier today, I was reading an article, they have the most cap space in the NFL among teams that made the playoffs. I think they have around $50 million and they could get up to $60 million if they you know, release a couple guys, mainly Trey Wayne. So I would expect them to be aggressive in the way that the Buffalo Bills were in you know, acquiring talent while Joe Burrow is still on his rookie-scale contract. So you know, I think uh, they'll be... Maybe not back to the Super Bowl necessarily because this year, like you mentioned, Evan DePasquale, they did get lucky. You know, they didn't have to face the absolute unit that is the Buffalo Bills. So they would have if the Bills were playing them, they would have won. If, yeah, hands down, the Bills were too good of a team to be able to just lose in the in the lose by it, it with an eighteen point lead, lose the game. But either way, I think the Bengals will be good, and they'll certainly be in the thick of things for years to come in the AFC. But Cincinnati, for the love of goodness, get Joe Burrow an offensive line. I mean, he got sacked seven times last night. They were doing a good job in the first half of protecting him, but then that went completely out the window in the second half. And during this playoff run, he was sacked 19 times, which was like the most in any playoff run in NFL history. Like no other quarterback had been sacked more than 12 times. It's a miracle that he made it this far in one piece. But for the love of goodness, Cincinnati, get this man an offensive line because that was certainly their undoing so I expect them to you know be aggressive on that front and you know like I said having one of the best young cores in the NFL combined with the most cap space of any playoff team they'll they'll be fine yeah and the, and the thing with that is they don't really need to add big superstar players like when when Josh was going into year three like how Burrow is going to be this this upcoming offseason they added Stefan Diggs to kind of you know complement Josh in that factor they don't need to add a guy like Stephon Diggs. They got their Jamar Chase. They got T. Higgins. They got Tyler Boyd. They got uh, a running back under contract in Joe Mixon. Now they can add the offensive line, which in my opinion is probably much easier than adding a star talent at the wide receiver position, whether that's their only focus in free agency or in the draft. It's like much simpler to kind of look at things now. They're like, okay, our main focus is going to be up front with Joe Burrow. And obviously you'll probably want to add some defensive pieces on the defensive side of the ball, but I feel like their defense is decent enough to get them through where they need to go. Um, and obviously they showed instances that they can play like a very good unit in the playoffs, and they and they did for a four-game stretch. Mm-hmm. 
So that that'll be very interesting to see as well. And another like interesting like point I want to make while going into the off season this year is that I wonder if teams are going to kind of follow the Rams game game plan of just trying to like yeah go all in you know use all your future draft picks and just acquire all star slash superstar players like I mean the what the the Rams gave up what two first round picks Jared Goff. Uh, what a third round pick and another pick for for Matt Stafford. And they gave up a, a second and a fifth for Vaughn. They didn't. They only signed OBJ. I for thought like, it was a second and a third. That's what I thought. Either oh. way, they gave up a couple well, of mid round yeah. picks. But I, it's gonna get. It's gonna start getting dicey here for the Rams because you know when you Ram- go all in like that, you gonna it's gonna cost a lot of money and you look at some of the free agents they're gonna have upcoming it this offseason obj now maybe you know with the revelation of the second knee injury maybe they can get him back on a team-friendly deal but you got obj von miller darius williams who starts opposite jalen ramsey uh sony michelle austin corbett troy reader guys that start for them so it's gonna be difficult for them to try and keep the roster together i think that for the rams you better be happy that you won the super bowl because this was your best chance it's gonna be hard to you know keep the core that they have intact. I mean, you got guys that are making like the most money at their positions, respectively. Guys like Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald. So you know the Rams, the Bengals Super Bowl window is going to be open a lot longer than the uh, Rams here because they're aging. They don't have draft picks, and they got a lot of bloated contracts yep. on that roster. Plus, the Rams are looking to extend Matt Stafford mm-hmm. and pay him more money as well. They will have Robert Woods coming back as well, and a healthy yeah. maker. So that could play into their decision uh, whether to re-sign OBJ or not. Just because they're like, okay, we know what Robert Woods is. We know the injury he's coming off of, and we know the type of player he will be when he comes back. The thing with Odell Beckham, he's a free agent. They don't know the type of player he is going to be coming back off another injury, but the same injury that he's had twice now. So that that could play into factor. Even even if he wants a veteran minimums contract, they might just want to move on and not deal with that, even how talented he is. I don't know. But that will be interesting, and like for sure, like the Bengals have – a long Super Bowl window. Joe Burrow is going to be their franchise quarterback for 10 to 12 to 15 years. He's going to keep them in contention with Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, etc. The AFC is going to be fun for years, and it's loaded. And one thing I will say that I am glad is that there are not two elite quarterbacks in the AFC East. Yeah. Even <laughs> though I think Zach Wilson has potential. I'm with you. Mac Jones is still a a good quarterback. He'll, he'll be good. I don't know how good I he'll be. I can't believe he got be four good. Rookie of the Year votes. Yeah. <laughs> how many people in Boston, how many voters are in the New England area? Because I bet you that all of them said that Mac Jones was a better player, as a, a better rookie player than Jamar Chase. I'm so happy because I would have gotten on here and I would have been so mad if Jamar Chase didn't win Rookie of the Year. I mean, for a while, it was like tearing towards Mac Jones because he kept winning, and then then Jamar Chase has this late season push to where he gets Offensive Rookie of the Year. But, um, yes, yeah, so they gave up two first-round picks and a third in Jared Goff for maybe Matthew Stafford and a pick. I don't know off the top of my head, but... Yeah, the, the, they have they will go seven consecutive seasons without a first round pick. They traded to a twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen first to move up to get Goff. They traded a twenty uh, eighteen to get Brandon Cooks, uh, their twenty nineteen first rounder. 
Um, they traded to the Falcons for a second and third round pick in the 2020-2021 for Jalen Ramsey. And then, um, obviously, they traded it for... Then they traded the Stafford pick. Now, people... I, I've been listening uh, to some... I've been listening to the radio this morning. Um, they were... Does does this Super Bowl win solidify Matthew Stafford as a Hall of Famer? Mm. Uh, man, that's tough. I want to lean towards yes, because, I mean, he's got the stats to do it. You look in Detroit, I mean, he's good for like, you know, 4,500 yards and about 30 touchdowns a season. On his career, he's just shy of 50,000 passing yards, 323 touchdowns, 161 interceptions, and now you add that ring to the mes- the resume. It is The one thing, though, it is just weird how much one Super Bowl ring can change people's perceptions because if you, know, you ask people before this game, they'd probably say no, but now that he's got that ring, it makes it a whole lot more interesting. But I would say yes. He's got the numbers to back it up, and he'll probably you know, continue to add to that. This is only his 12th season. Let's say he plays three or four more years. You know, he'll be right up there in terms of you know, all-time yardage and, and touchdowns, perhaps. So I think he's got the numbers, and now that he's got that ring, I think that uh, helps a lot. How about you, fellas? I'll, now we'll uh, turn it over to you. What do you say? I. Oh, go ahead. Oh, for sure. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I, th- I think he can squeeze in. You know, after a few years after his eligibility, like again, he'll like you mentioned, he's only in his twelfth year, and he'll probably play at least. I want to say he'll play at least four to five more seasons in the league. Now, he'll probably play at least two to three of those at at a partial elite level. So whether that means he doesn't win another Super Bowl or not, he'll probably get a couple more playoff victories. Which, and I think those those winning winning those playoff victories after the fact that he won the Super Bowl will be very beneficial for him when voting him into the Hall of Fame. Because it's kind of like, okay, Matt Stafford, you didn't just have one run when you were with the Rams. You didn't just have one run. You had multiple chances and multiple playoff victories and multiple chances to win a Super Bowl. You showed that when you went to this team, you could do it for more than one season. You had actual chances to get to the to the postseason or to the uh, to the Super Bowl, other than just one year. So I think that could help him. Obviously, like you mentioned, he's got all the stats. Like I don't think the stats are in question. Uh, maybe you would like to see him make an All Pro. Maybe get in contention. Maybe get a couple MVP votes one year. That would help his. That would help his benefit. Uh, but that's the thing, because like when you're voting in like guys for in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion, the best way to do it is kind of like look at their career and be like. Hey, you know, this guy had all this, that, and the third. Like, how good was he? Was he ever, like, a top-five quarterback? Was he ever, like, a top-three quarterback? I could say this year, like, Matt Stafford probably was a top-five quarterback statistically this season, so that could help his case. Um, But I think the Super Bowl really is going to do justice for Matt Stafford's legacy in his career because now it shows, hey, you know, even though I had a great team, I was the the starting quarterback, and I had a great postseason, and I got them to the promised land. And he did that, and I think this could be very beneficial for his Hall of Fame stance. I I think that this will he'll uh, he'll be in the Hall of Fame. There's no question about it. Um, I like you said. I think that he will. It'll probably take him. I don't know. Like maybe I, I don't. He's not first ballot. He's not. Um, I don't think that maybe he gets he, in like four years after his eligibility. Yes. Yeah, so this is. So there's the big debate on 
whether or not Eli Manning is going to be a Hall of Famer. I think really what kind of helps Eli in his case is the fact that he won two Super Bowls. Both against Tom yeah. Brady. Both against, <laughs> yeah, both against Tom Brady. So I, I, I vote him in just because of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that he will eventually, just like Eli Manning, he'll get in, but he's I don't think that he'll get in first. But I mean, he might get first ballot Eli for you know having to deal with the New York media, and I think that people will look at him like you know well you know this guy was a leader. It's almost like with um um uh when what's his name oh uh, Terrell Owens there there we go I was I don't know why I had Ocho Cinco in my head. Um, but when uh, Terrell Owens uh, wasn't going into the Hall of Fame, a lot of people were saying it was based off of his c- character and stuff like that in inside the locker room. And I think that, you know, based off of Eli Manning's leadership, he's a really likable guy. So I think that I think that it'll, it'll, he'll make he's going to make it into the Hall of Fame. There's just there's just no ifs, ands or buts about it. It's just that. When is he going to get into the Hall I, of Fame? I just saw something. Matt Stafford is five yards short of fifty thousand career par- yeah. passing yards. Oh, um, I mean, he could have had it if there was not that um, pass interference in the end zone, which then moved the ball to the one yard line. No, and... that's just regular season, though. The forty nine nine ninety five. That's just regular season. So yeah. if you count postseason, he's well over fifty k. But uh, oh, okay. well, not well over, but he's certainly over. He's that's over. just regular season. So, what was, I mean, besides the football, was there, like, you know, I, I, I thought, you know, the game, like we said, it's kind of, it was kind of, it was, it was good in a sense that it was close. It wasn't like it was a blowout or anything, but one thing that I was probably, I found interesting was um, just, oh. Right now, I lost my train of thought. Um, but I, I, I felt like that this could. I, I will keep pounding the table, saying that the Bills would have been in this. It should have been in this, and should have won it. Um, but really, I, I think that. I mean, what, what were your guy like guys' thoughts like on the halftime show, or like the commercials and stuff like that? Something outside of the actual game itself. Um, I'll start out with the, uh, the commercials. I was talking about it with you, Evan D, uh, before we went on the air, but every year I feel like they get progressively less and less funnier. And I thought this year was no exception. I mean, I don't know if it's because these companies are just walking on eggshells because it seems like in, you know, this woke culture that we find ourselves in, they're just worried about getting canceled or whatever. But I feel like they get progressively less and less funny every year. And this year was no exception. Like the funniest part of the game for me, it wasn't any of the commercials or anything. It was after Stafford's arm punt when Vernon Hargraves ran out onto the field on sh- in street clothes and got that uh, got that penalty. Al Michaels on the replay, he's like, "Oh, there's Vernon Hargraves. He's inactive. Uh, he may be inactive for a while after this scene." Like that made me laugh out loud way more than uh, any of the commercials did. But I didn't think they were very good. The halftime show, however, now Evan D, I know you listen to like Pink Floyd and stuff, and Evan Harrington. I don't know what type of music you listen to, but me being a hip hop fan, you know, I liked it. Maybe not from a production standpoint, but just the performances themselves. I thought there was, you know, good energy 
energy and I liked it. Like Kendrick Lamar's performance I thought was good. I liked what Eminem did. My favorite part of it was um, from the transition from Lose Yourself into I Ain't Mad At You by Tupac. Dr. Dre played that on the piano. The the melody, the dun 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 Dun, dun, and then into Still Dre, the dun, 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 that, that was awesome. Like, I ain't mad at you. That's one of my favorite Tupac songs. So it was nice how they incorporated that in there. But uh, commercials, not so good. Halftime show, very good. Maybe perhaps one of the best of all time. Now, uh, what do you guys think about it? I think that I, I'd agree with you on the halftime show with I, my only really complaint about it is that I feel like that... Um, I wish that Eminem had played something like you had 50 Cent and Eminem and Dr. Dre in there. The first song that came into my head that I don't I don't know how good of a song you really could say, but I thought that um, I was thinking that they should have played Crack a Bottle um, with, you know, that has, you know, Eminem and then it has um, Dr. Dre and then 50 Cent goes in. I a lot of people were like saying like 50 cent looked like he got like I, I something about like he he like got inflation or something like that and he turned into 75 cent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My opinion on the Super Bowl halftime show is I liked it. I didn't know what to expect from it just cuz I didn't know how they were going to do it from a production standpoint or how they were going to like incorporate, you know, all those big artists in the show. Like I didn't know if they were going to do more like you know, duo styled things, or was it just going to be individually? Like, I didn't know what they were going to do. And I think they did a good job. Um, I would have liked it to go a little longer. It kind of felt short. Um, but other other than that, it, it was great. Uh, I, I loved listening to Eminem. Um, obviously, Dr. Dre was a great producer. Like, he, I'm pretty sure he produced, like, the entire show. Am I wrong? Or I, I would... I wouldn't disagree with you. Yeah, like, I'm sure he. I'm sure he did. Yeah, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Snoop Dogg's always a classic. Fifty Cent for sure. Uh, Kendrick Lamar had a great open. Or the, uh, his opening act was very good. It wasn't opening act, but his show was very good. Um, but they, yeah, other than that, the commercials were very subpar. Like they just weren't good. I like the Marvel trailers, mm-hmm. the Doctor Strange and uh, Moon Knight trailers. Those were cool. Uh, I was kind of sad that we didn't see an Obi Wan Kenobi trailer. Oh yeah. I don't know if you guys watch Star Wars or not, but. I was kind of saying an Obi Wan Kenobi trailer. That, that's true. I, you, we've been hearing about the Obi Wan uh, limited series on Disney Plus. I think the one, the commercial that I liked the most was the Austin Powers commercial with the electric car, and then Zeus with the electric car. I thought that was hilarious. Um, but really, like, I I thought that this was a. Uh, I thought the commercials were were pretty solid. I I. I like them personally. I can understand, you know, I, there was, I like, there was times where I was just like, I wanted to be on my phone, but at the same time, like I couldn't because I wanted to watch and see what commercials were good, what commercials were bad. Um, I was like, I was, while we were watching the dress, there was the Jurassic Park um, commercial. I was just like, is, is uh, what, what, like they didn't announce a title. What what's it? What is it going to be called? Jurassic Universe, <laughs> Jurassic Multi World, Multiverse: The World to Collide, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> you came out. You came out with Jurassic Park in um, the nineties, and then you came out with Jurassic World. I mean, you got to go bigger now. Is or Jurassic Solar System, then Jurassic Universe, or Jurassic Galaxy. <laughs> 
It was something like that. Can I just, like, I will say the one person that I, through the entire Super Bowl week, I was really, like, kind of was really happy about was Josh Allen. To see him on all of these interviews and to see him having a line at the the NFL honors, you know, I I will say that he he did an interview with USA Today on um I think it was Radio Row. I mean, he was on the Jim Row show um and some other stuff, but I thought personally I felt like that when he when he did the USA Today uh um interview, they the lady goes we have to do um a moment of silence and it goes 13 seconds yeah and they do this literal they just are sitting in silence for 13 seconds i give so many props to Josh Allen because i probably would have dropped the microphone and walked away yeah he's just that's one thing that you got to love about Josh Allen is he's just too nice of a guy to tell her like lady look you're this this ain't it but Hey, Josh is just, he seems like a very patient guy. Like he, I mean, sometimes you'll see him like lose his cool on the sidelines because he's just a competitive guy, like during the broadcast, like getting, you know, upset. And then after the, uh, the, what we thought was the game winning touchdown against Kansas City uh, to Gabriel Davis, you know, him getting fired up on the sideline, like, let's go, let's go. But most of the time, Josh Allen seems pretty even keel and he's just too nice of a guy to be like, really? Yeah, did you guys see that other interview with Josh Allen at the NFL honors when they yeah. were like about the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I well, I want to, I'll play that when we get back into, um, when we get back. All right. Uh, I'm going to, we're going to take a quick break. Eight, seven, eight, 5104 is the number to call us. Give us your opinion on the Super Bowl. what you like about it, what you didn't like about it. And like I was mentioning earlier, we will have Steve Murphy, the head coach of the Buffalo State men's hockey team, coming up later in the show. You are listening to The Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY. It's so much fun. A show like this, you just want it to go on and on and on and on and on. Am I right, Josh Allen? Or you just end it in a way that makes sense, is fair, and gives everyone an equal opportunity to win. Interesting, though. I feel like you're not talking about the show. But please welcome five-time NFL MVP, Peyton. That was ES, uh, on the broadcast of the NFL Honors uh, back here on the Blitz with uh, Evan DePasquale, Evan Harrington, and Tanner Saunders. You know, I thought that that was that was a funny that was a funny joke that you know that was put about the overtime rules. Um, that was uh, that was a uh, Keenan Mike and. Keenan Michael Keel, right? I don't know. Uh, it's from Keenan Peel. Keenan yeah. Michael. Uh, yeah, whatever it is. We, we, first name's Keegan, right? That's all we know. That's about yeah. all we know. <laughs> I, I thought that that was, that was a funny joke. That was a joke that, uh, you know, like we were mentioning before the break, 878, well, first off, 878-5104 is the number to call us. Give us your opinion on the Super Bowl, what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it, what were your thoughts on it watching the game, but I 
ever I thought that it was I didn't watch it because I believe I was I don't know what I was doing that day but I I didn't record it and I'm kind of mad that I didn't record it but um I thought that the, I thought that was that was a funny and it was in good taste it's nice to see that you know Josh can take a joke too like he's you know he's having fun with it taking it in stride but you know deep down he's still probably that just that whole how that game played out is just driving him nuts, and that's going to fuel his competitive fire for years to come. So it's nice on the surface that you know he can you know run with it and take it and take all the jokes in stride. But you know deep inside that competitive fire inside him is absolutely roaring. Yeah, and you know what'd be absolutely like hilarious next year is that if the Bills and Chiefs play against each other in the AFC Championship and we do score again on a game-winning drive with 13 seconds left, they'll just kind of like bring everything in like full motion. And then Josh Allen can just kind of relive that. And the joke, or the, uh, the the first game, if the second game does happen, won't hurt as much. But like you mentioned, the fact that he can take a joke only just a couple weeks removed of the incident of the 13 seconds, it's really telling to like like how, how like, you know, strong mentally he is as a person and as a football player and just everything he's been through and how competitive he is and how this can fuel him going forward to make him a better player, better person on and off the field. But honestly, the NFL honors were pretty good. What what did you guys think of the uh the selections? Um I was glad that Devin Hester didn't get in. That was like my big thing. Like I I was like, I swear to God, if Devin Hester gets in, I'm gonna be so mad because I'm not like trying to say that Devin Hester isn't a great player and all that stuff, but if we're talking about special teams players and that they deserve to go in, then I think that you get to the point where it's just like, okay, come on, like you know you're you have you have Steve Tasker, who is arguably, in my opinion, the greatest special teams player of all time and has not been and like when they when like the NFL uh I don't remember what year it was but when they did the all-time all-star team and they picked a special teams player that wasn't like a kicker or a punter they picked Steve Tasker does he belong in the hall of fame absolutely I don't like I I just think that if you're gonna put a special teams player that isn't like a kicker or a punter in the Hall of Fame, you put in Steve Tasker, then you could do whatever the hell you want with it. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, it does suck. What, what was your guys' thoughts on uh, Aaron Rodgers being back-to-back MVP? I would have given it to Brady, but the reason I don't think it should be Rodgers, I mean, he didn't even have as good a season as he had last season. I don't know what warranted him getting the MVP this year. And I thought just uh, like Tom Brady... Obviously, a lot of this is narrative-driven, I think, in the NFL for the MVP, even more so in the NBA, because you look at, like, when Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double, the Thunder were, like, the seventh seed that year, but obviously the historical significance, that hadn't been something that had been done for the past 40 years. So I think a little bit of that comes in with uh, Mr. Tom Brady as well, because being a 40... Oh, man. Being a 44-year-old man, and he led the NFL in, what, passing touchdowns, passing yards, completions, attempts, just about every single category. And Aaron Rodgers didn't even have as good as a season as he had last year, at least I thought. So I'm not sure I, I think the main reason why Rodgers won was the fact that he led his team to another 13-3 record. He had the best touchdown-interception ratio in the league while attempting 
some crazy passes that like Brady just wasn't like I don't know like I think it, the obviously yards wise and probably touchdowns Rodgers didn't have a better year than Brady but like that's not the only way you should measure um an MVP vote like I think Rodgers statistically like overall all statistics that are uncounted in voting for the MVP I think Rodgers had a better year not significantly like I, I like I'm not going to sit here and say like you know, Rodgers should have received, you know, this amount of votes and Brady should receive, like, less. But I think Rodgers did deserve it, uh, for sure. But if Brady won it, I wouldn't have been, like, mad. I would have understand why. Obviously, like you mentioned, he had the yards, the touchdowns, the attempts, uh, completions. Plus, again, he's 44 years old. No quarterback has ever done that. Plus, a lot of people presumed he might have retired after that playoff game. And you know the Bucks were thirteen and four as well too, so they were you know right there with Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, the uh, Packers went like what fourteen three. So, um, yeah, I mean for sure, I mean Rodgers deserved it. Brady deserved it as well. I mean they both deserved it. Uh, it doesn't really do anything for Brady's career, so it just kind of just pat stat pads Rodgers' career. I feel like because it moves him closer into that Peyton Manning range because he's got four MVPs in the regular season and Peyton's got five. Again, it just doesn't do anything to Brady's legacy. And um, how'd you guys feel about uh, Cup getting Offensive Player of the Year? I was. I'm not saying that I I, I liked it. I I think that if we're talk, I think that he honestly makes a bigger difference in the offense than probably than what uh, Jonathan Taylor did. I don't. I'm not, you know, I, I I don't know who the other two finalists were, um, for um, I I don't know who the other two finalists were for the um, uh, for MVP MVP. I think it was Josh Allen, and then I think for um, uh, well, this, why did I say Josh Allen? Tom Brady and Cooper Cup were the two finalists for MVP, and I heard that one player, um. Got uh, I heard one play. One person voted Cooper had one vote for Cooper Cup for MVP. Yeah, an offensive player of the year. Uh, what Brady Rogers, Jonathan Taylor, and wasn't there someone else who got voted as well? Was it Jamar Chase? I don't think so. I don't know. I didn't like watch the NFL awards, so and I kind of just have Wikipedia up, and it just kind of shows me the winners. I will, I will say that I'm, I'm not, I. I do think that Mike Vrabel deserved to win Coach of the Year. I just thought that uh, Zach Taylor took, you know, it was a more impre- it was more impressive because everybody picked the Bengals to be last in the AFC North and to only have like four wins or five wins this year, and he goes out and you know gets them a, a ten and seven record and takes them to the Super Bowl. Um, but obviously it's a regular season award, not a, um, regular and postseason award. I think that, you know, it went to the right coach. I think you're, cause you're without Derrick Henry and a lot of your wide receivers were hurt. Um, I think that it was, I think, I think it, it went to the, the right guy, but I think the thing that's going to be really haunting Mike Vrabel for, you know, this entire off season was that he had, the number one seed, and he got bounced after one game. After one one game, 
kind of like with I, I, I didn't that we well, know that didn't happen last year. I was going to say didn't that happen last year where the first round first overall seed got bounced in the first round, but um, that was Baltimore two years ago. So I think that it it went to the right coach. I mean, we look at assistant coach of the year. I mean, I don't know if Dan Quinn really deserved. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Assistant coach of the year is kind of like. I don't. I don't want to say it's like a made up award, but it's like one of those weird awards where it's like it's it's something to acknowledge coach, coordinators. Like it, like it acknowledges the coordinator. Cool. I don't know. I don't really care about that award I'm, too much. I'm I mean, happy that it that defensive player of the year went to T.J. Watt because if he didn't, I was going to be really annoyed. And you know, the all around rookie of the year went to Jamar Chase, along with offensive rookie of the year went to Jamar Chase. That's good. Um, Micah Parsons. I, I didn't. There wasn't really anybody in my mind uh, this year that I thought could be comeback player of the year. So, you know, Joe Burrow won it um, because he came off that ACL. I, I, was it last year? Last year was when um, Dak destroyed his leg. Yeah, for sure. I I thought that it should have gone to Dak, in my opinion. No, it had to go to Joe. Uh, I mean, wasn't it last last year? They both got injured in the same year, just a couple weeks apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, last year, the man of the year went to um, Alex Smith, which I personally liked, um, because he basically almost had to get his leg cut off. You know, (laughs) so. I'll say, uh, oh, is that all right? Can I jump in here? Um, with Cooper Cup, Offensive Player of the Year, I agree with that uh, complete and totally. You look at Cup, he had one of the best wide receiver seasons or just seasons in general in NFL history. First in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. He was the fourth wide receiver triple crown since 1970. Second most receptions ever in a season. Second most receiving yards ever in a season. And then, as we mentioned, it's a regular season, not a postseason award. But you look at his postseason, six touchdowns in the playoffs, which is the second most ever. Most receptions in a single playoff run. And uh, he became the only wide receiver to win the Triple Crown and Super Bowl MVP, joining Jerry Rice. So no matter what way you slice it, I think Cooper Cup. And, you know, you look what he does as a blocker as well. Like, his first touchdown in last night's game, he faked like he was going to block. So Eli Apple comes up, and then he just runs out behind him, and Stafford hits him for the touchdown. So just the versatility that Cup brings, you know, as a blocker and obviously as a receiver, I think that was well-deserved. And I don't have any complaints about any of the other of the awards. Like I mentioned on the last show, maybe... Maybe I think Aaron Donald should be the defensive player of the year every year, but T.J. Watt, you know, with the season he had, you can't argue with that either. He had 22 and a half sacks. You're going to tell me that it should not have gone to anybody else. So, I mean, I, I there were really, there were just people that I just didn't really think. I mean, uh, there's just like performance play of the year. Obviously, Justin Tucker's, you know, incredible field gold you know so all right eight seven eight fifty one oh four is the number to call uh jacob in niagara falls you're on wbny go right ahead yeah i just wanted to um comment on the halftime show yeah go right ahead yeah the halftime show i thought that it was um i thought it was excellent one of the um best stages only uh number two to the prince halftime show because he was singing purple rain in the rain mm-hmm and so um, that was a, a, a really good show. Um, everything except for Kendrick Lamar. I liked the show. But other than <laughs> Kendrick Lamar, I was all right. All right. You know, th- thank you for the call. Um, uh, 
I thought, I mean, I didn't really think much of the hap- halftime show, um, but uh, I will say that, I mean, well, I, I knew it was going to be big. I knew it was going to be big. I just, I feel like that for me personally, that could have been going, that could have gone like each, every single one of them could have been, could have done it by themselves. So, all right, we got to get in a quick break. And um, uh, Evan told me that um, coach uh, Steve Murphy will be here hopefully in a few minutes. Um, so you are listening to the Blitz. 878-5104 is the number. You're listening to the Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY. Here's Thompson off the wall, trying to send one towards the goal. Tuck to the far corner, comes away with possession. Take to take. Fitzgerald scores! Trying to find room to move it. Canadians can't get it out. This is Darlene. Skinner meets the pass. Scores! Jeff Skinner with a rocket. Here's Tuck. He sends it ahead. Skinner trying to work on that third. And did he draw a penalty shot here? Or just a penalty? Or they get the goal. Continuing to put pressure on the Montreal Canadiens in their own zone. Not just sort of sitting back, sitting on this one goal lead. Here's Tuck. Wins the battle in front. Scores! That was uh, a former fourth liner. And just a what a great comeback story. Just a... All around, just amazing, amazing player. Just was on the fourth line. Couldn't get get all these goals and stuff like that. And now, all of a sudden, he comes out of nowhere. And he scores four goals for the Sabres in their, what was it, 5-3 uh, to three win? Yeah, 5-3 win over the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we're talking about Jeff Skinner, who was, for a while, a healthy scratch for the Sabres under Ralph Kruger. Um, <laughs> How in the world does that happen? How does... I, I, I know you don't know a lot about hockey, Tanner, but, you know... This is we were talking about just the whole thing with the Sabres and just like it has been so tough these past few years where it's just they have not been able to muster together the wins. And even when they had a chance to get into the into the playoffs and the play in when COVID happened with, you know, allowing 24 teams you were in 25th. It, it's comical. <laughs> Think about that. That actually happened. That literally happened that the the Sabres were, literally they had a chance to get into a playoff spot and they failed. And it's just like so great to see um it's so great to finally see that, you know, I think the, like the line, uh, the Skinner, Tuck, and Thompson line had like nine points. Uh, Jeff Skinner had four goals and an assist, so he was a helper on all of them. Uh, Tuck had three points, and Craig Anderson um, won his 297th career win to put him in fourth place all time. Um, but... I will say, like, it, it's going to be weird 
these like next few months not talking about um, football because that's literally ever since this semester, uh, like the school year started back in August, every time we've been on, we've, you know, we've been talking about football. That's really all we've been talking about. And now that the football season is over, what do we look for? I mean, are we looking forward to free agency now? Are we looking forward to the draft? Oh, I'm sure we'll find a way to, to wiggle football into whatever we're talking about, just like I'm about to do right now. So like Hit you me, mentioned, I don't know much about hockey. So what we can do here while we're waiting for Mr. Harrington to re- rejoin the fray, who would you say, like everything has to be in football terms for me, who is the Sabres NFL equivalent? Like in, what? what do you mean by that? I mean, just like... I guess roster construction, like Evan mentioned, they have like a promising young core, maybe in terms of like the coaching staff, just they're, I don't know how much, how I can phrase it any differently than that. Like who's the most similar to them in the NFL, would you say? Uh, hmm. I might, I mean, I don't really, I, I need to pay more attention to other hockey teams rather than the Sabres, mm-hmm. but I would probably have to say the Colorado Avalanche, who I believe, if I'm not, if if I'm not mistaken, are the, um, I think they're like one of the, be- they're like the best team in the Western Conference. Um, I think that, I, I think that, you know, they play a really aggressive style of play and um they they're just really good i mean they're that that's really who i would compare them to i mean they uh in their first in the western conference with 72 points they are number 1 in the nhl and um you know their goal differential is a plus 59 which is first in the nhl oh yeah first in the nhl in goal differential with um, 194 and 130 again. So they're, and they're on a, uh, they're on a, you know, they've won nine of their last 10. So they're definitely, they're definitely looking really good. Um, you know, Colorado is a team that like, even last year, they should have won the Stanley cup. But, um, you know, that, that, that's the thing that's crazy about the NHL is that, they that your best teams can end up you know losing games you know you could end up losing in the playoffs just like with um uh i mean i i'm i'm just looking on twitter and uh jesse granger uh he tweeted out with jack eichel and he covers the golden knights for the athletic um he said that i have a lot to prove to myself to the rest of the league to the organization and I I I just can't deal with this. I don't know. I I I'm just like I'm sick and tired of hearing about the Jack Eichel stuff. It's almost like I don't know where you would. I mean, it's almost like with like with the Tom Brady stuff when he left New England and stuff like that. When he when he gave his. I mean, th- I mean, look, this was funny. The only difference with this is that Tom Brady actually won in New England. Jack Eichel didn't win diddly squat. <laughs> um, and I, I think that, I think that if you compare it to, um, if you, if you think about it, um, I, I, I think that if you like when he put out that retirement speech and did not mention 
anything oh, yeah. about New England, <laughs> the fans, the organization. I mean, Robert Kraft ended up saying something to him, but it was really, really funny um, to be able to just, to just see Patriots fans be like, you know, we didn't want you anyway, blah, 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 this, and blah, 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 that. And I, I love it. And, you know, I was, um, I believe, now, I had a question. I, I just kind of, like, scrolling through Twitter. And mm-hmm. on Adam Schefter's podcast, um, uh, he had uh, Bill Polian in the, on there, and he believes that Aaron Donald should have won Super Bowl MVP. What are your thoughts? What do you think about that? Um, I, I mean... mean Oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, 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 no. This is my question. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like saying, I mean, he had two sacks, but he also kind of was really non-existent in the first half. But, um, you know, I th- I think that he is the real reason why they've, you know, they went to the Super Bowl. I, I, I think that if you think about it, I don't, I, I would really be, it would be, be really unfortunate to see him retire if if this were if this was his last game i mean credit to him he did everything like he's he's got so many accolades that there really is nothing else that he needs to do but it would just be so unfortunate for the game of football to be able to lose someone who has been literally as dominant as Aaron Donald has been with you know maybe Maybe even he would have retired if they had won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Um, but I I think, personally, I don't think he should. I think that if... I mean, I think he can definitely go... If I were him, I, I don't know if he wants to break the all-time sack record. I don't know where he is on that list. Because, um, obviously, Bruce Smith holds the record for most sacks all-time. But um, I I would try a gun for it. Donald has 98, and the record is, what, 200? So 200. He'd probably have to play another eight years, and you can you play 16 years, especially at the level he is now as, a, as an interior defensive lineman? Mm, I don't know. So even at this, this rate, it might be an outside shot that he'd be able to get it. But as far as the Super Bowl MVP talk for him, I think you could you could make the argument it's there. Um, I like I said earlier in the show, he had eight pressures in that game, according to PFF, which is the most by a defensive lineman. Um, oh, let me go back through my like tweets here and see if I can find the tweet. But uh, some some type of record. So let's see here. Da-da-da-da-da. I mean the the Rams set a they tied a Super Bowl record for most sacks in a Super Bowl with seven. Mm-hmm. Only time that's ever happened was when. Roger Staubach got sacked seven times in Super Bowl ten, and that was against the Steel Curtain. I mean, I'm not gonna put, I'm not gonna say that the Rams are the Steel Curtain, but you know that that offensive line was is bad, mm-hmm. and um, they even said the Bengals. This situation could become another Andrew Luck situation if they don't get that offensive line fixed. Yep. So Donald. 
eight pressures, most in the Super Bowl by a defensive lineman in the PFF era, since two, which is since 2006. He had two sacks, and like I said, he made the the two biggest plays of the game. He On that Bengals' last drive, he almost single-handedly won the game for them. Zach Taylor came out and admitted straight up they were trying to steal a first down on that third and one with the uh, Samaj P. Ryan run, which on a whole nother different tangent, you have Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and on third and one, you give it to Samaj P. Ryan. Like, that's the time where you think, all right, Joe Mixon, Super Bowl on the line, third and one, go take a breather. So, But that's a different discussion for a different day. So... Or maybe not, but either way, third and one, he makes the play, he stops P. Ryan, and then fourth and one, he completely destroyed Quentin Spain, and he was in Burrow's lap, you know, when before Burrow even knew what had hit him. So um, I think the arguments there, given, you know, that he had the numbers, you said he was a little uh, quiet in the first half, but once they started, you know, doing some different things schematically, you know, running some stunts and some games up front to get Donald in one-on-ones, then he that's when he started dominating. So I think the arguments there, given that, you know, once they finally did some things schematically up front where the uh, the offensive line couldn't just double-team him every play, he started to get get it going, obviously finishing with the two sacks and making the game-deciding plays on third and fourth and one. I think the argument's there, but I'm not going to argue to it going to Cooper Cup. He was equally as deserving. Yeah, and do you think that if Odell Beckham didn't get hurt, he would have won MVP, uh, Super Bowl MVP? I think it's possible because, I mean, he was on— He had he already had two catches for 52 yards and a touchdown, and, you know, this was—he he got, like, hurt, like, right towards the end of halftime or something like that. Mm-hmm. I felt so bad for him. I was just like, oh, this is not—it was almost like—remember um, back in 2010 when Charles Woodson broke his collarbone in the Super Bowl, and um, he had to— um, he couldn't play anymore. Like this is like a this veteran. I mean, I don't. I mean, I guess you could say Odell's a, ba- a veteran, but like you have this like veteran, a guy you want to win a Super Bowl with. I think that they would have won. I I think that he would have won MVP, and I don't even think that game would have been as close if, as it was because there's no way you're going to be able to double cup and double um, Odell Beckham or whatever you would have done. Uh, I think that really it was definitely just something that I, I think that I, I, I'm i not mad that it didn't go to Aaron Donald. I don't think that he really cares that it didn't go to him. I think he more so wanted the ring. You know, after he made the sack, he starts pointing at his ring, ring, ring yeah. finger, ring me. You know, it kind of was just like what... um what Joe Burrow did in the in the um national championship game after he like threw a touchdown he started um you know pointing to his ring finger um why would you put it on your left ring finger that that's where you I mean I don't know I mean he is married but like um I I will say I I I'm getting kind of annoyed that People are just talking about on Twitter about how, um, you know, celebrities are always, you know, talking about masks and stuff like that. And then here they are in the Super Bowl not wearing masks. Well, they're most likely vaccinated if if memory serves me right. I mean, I don't know if they would have gone to the Super Bowl or not. I... 
I didn't like, I was honestly surprised that LeBron James was there because I was thinking LeBron James, I feel like he would go to the Super Bowl if Dallas was in it. And have you, have you seen the memes where people have been saying, you know, this is the second straight year that a Super Bowl is, um, in the home stadium and, uh, Evan Harrington is back. Um, I the funny, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm back. Round of applause for Evan Harrington. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just I thought that you know I thought it was funny when they were talking about um the Super Bowl should there should never be a, a home team have their Super Bowl in their own home stadium. So next year the Super Bowl is going to be at AT and T Stadium for like for the rest of time. I I found that I found that kind of funny because it's. I always like making fun of Cowboy fans um, (laughs) because they haven't won anything in at least my uh, definitely my lifetime. And probably some of the guys on that Buff State hockey team, like some of them are like 26. (laughs) Yeah, I know I joke around with them. Uh, Reed Bibb. uh, I don't know if anyone who knows Reed Bibb is listening, but his nickname is uh, Father Suni. (laughs) I I don't know if he is the oldest player in the Suniac conference, but he is for sure one of the oldest, and he's a fifth-year senior, so that's mm-hmm. obviously playing into that. But uh, you know, going to the home fact on the on the teams playing in their home home stadium for the Super Bowl. Obviously, last year the Bucks won it in in their own stadium. This year, the Rams repeated that. Next year, correct me if I'm wrong, the Super Bowl is played in Arizona. Yes, mm-hmm. I think we can all confidently sit here and say. That the five eight midget Kyler Murray is not going to be hoisting a Lombardi Trophy in the in, in Arizona Stadium. Yeah, because he might not even be playing in Arizona next year. I mean, with all this coming out that he's apparently self centered and a finger pointer, and there's tension between him and the organization, he might not even be there next year. Good boy, I tell you, the NFC West could look a lot different next year because Garoppolo and the Forty ers are apparently looking for a trade partner. Russell Wilson's name has been around in trade talks. Murray, now you've got tension there with the organization. The Rams, Aaron Whit, or excuse me, Andrew Whitworth's going to retire probably. Donald might. Um, you could have guys leaving in free agency like OBJ, Von Miller. So the NFC West could look a lot different next year. Now, before we end, we're getting right down to the end. About four minutes left. You guys know whose uh, birthday is today, right? Oh, Jimbo Kelly. Happy birthday, Jim. Yeah, that's the Happy that's day. the real holiday today. Valentine's Day? Nah, the heck with all that. No, today's Jim Kelly's birthday. Not no Valentine's Day. We don't care about that. Well, it's also his son's birthday, so we can put that out there. Happy birthday, Hunter Kelly. I like Hunter Kelly. Yes, and happy birth, happy birthday, all the birthdays in the Kelly family. Happy birthday. I can't, <laughs> Jim, obviously, I mean, Josh has already got a bunch of his records, so I don't know if I would say the GOAT of, of uh, uh, Bill's quarterback history, but certainly, obviously, being to four Super Bowls, you can't argue with that. So him and Josh, 1A, 1B, but either way, happy birthday, Jim Kelly. Yeah, and uh, happy Valentine's Day to all the... Uh, couples out there, and happy National Singles Awareness Day to all these singles out there. Hopefully, Hold on, Harrington's got something yeah, about right. to say, Evan. All right, so obviously, big news in hockey. Jack Eichel is playing this Wednesday against the Colorado Avalanche. Ugh. And again, like we mentioned, Vegas is coming to Buffalo March 10th. If you're oh. a hockey fan oh, uh-huh. and you were a Jack Eichel Stand like you, you stand Jack Eichel. You, you nope. love Jack Eichel. You're mad that he Not left anymore. 
I get ready. He's coming back to Buffalo. And I would March boo 10th. him every time he has the puck. I'm not going to boo him. But, so, what's going on with this whole Troy, uh, not um, this whole um, situation with Al Michaels? Is he retiring? Because they've been talking about, like, last like last broadcast together. I don't know if that means Al Michaels is retiring. I believe their or, contracts are up. You mean, or one of their contracts are if up. That, if that means that you know, Chris Collinsworth is leaving. I'm good with that. I mean, I think that if so, like, it's not like NBC is like, if they can't, they're going to be desperate trying to find a good, um, they'll get Mike Tirico. Yeah. They'll have Mike Tirico call, you know, the play by play. And then if Collinsworth isn't back, I would suggest either Drew Brees or, um, even, um, Tony Dungy do color. Because they, bo- they both have done color. I mean, we saw um, it was Trico and um, Drew Brees in the, um, in the Thanksgiving game with the Bills and the Saints. So I, I, I personally think that this is going to be, I think that they're both, this is an interesting scenario. And like I, I saw, who's better on TV, Troy Aikman or Drew Brees? Mm, well, I've only heard one Drew Brees game, and it was the yeah, Bill Saints Thanksgiving. It's a small sample size. I mean, I think you just got to give it to Troy Aikman. Well, I think they're just talking like on TV in general, broadcasting, and also doing. Uh, I mean, Troy Aikman did the pre never did like pregame shows like Drew Brees does. I think Drew Brees is, from what I've seen so far, I think Drew Brees is really good on TV. I don't really have an opinion on either one. I think they're both solid and good. I think they're both good commentators. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of The Blitz on 91.3 FM WBMY. Thank you to all we who have listened. Uh, tune in for more great music, and uh, we'll be right back here from 2 to 4 every Monday on 91.3 FM WBNY.